Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. So, hello. Hello, how are you, sir? Good, how are you? I am watching the snow come down. It is once again snowing in Kansas City. and it, uh, It's not snowing here, Yeah, but it is like 30 degrees. That was what it was today. It's supposed to um, come down quite a bit, I guess, overnight. Uh, this is the second time in about a week that we've had a fair amount of snow come yeah. down. So, And it was crazy because, like, it was, it was, like... 85 degrees on Friday. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's just like, no, I think it's, I think we'd like to be freezing again. I'm like, this is the coldest it's been since we moved to Texas. Like, I have to not forget, like, it is actually, you know, winter time. So, yeah, but it's still, it's like, it's, we're almost, we're like right at the edge of spring. Um, yeah. It seems so. It seems. I mean, it. I don't necessarily have a problem with snow. I don't. I don't drive for a living anymore. Ha ha mm-hmm. ha ha ha. Um, I can actually, you know, not go out. It's kind That's of true. wonderful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and even so, it's uh, it's very pretty looking out the window. Um, but yeah. eventually, we'll have to go out into it just because you know there's stuff out in the world I want to do. But. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's winter. What are you going to do? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's a cold place. Folks, this is Zompocalypse now. I suppose we should tell you the name of the show. Uh, yeah, you probably should know by now. I mean, we've only done this show for three years, so. Right. Well, not only that, but you know, if you're listening to this, you're listening to it on iTunes or podcast.com and one would assume you clicked on it intentionally. Or there's a, there's a thing, there's probably a, like a title scrolling along, (laughs) Even if you're listening to this on your phone, like, you'll look down at it, and there should be a title scrolling along the top. Get it together, is what I'm saying. Listener, you need to get it together. You need to figure out your life, okay? If you have stumbled onto us uh, by accident, uh, welcome. Welcome Hi. to Zompocalypse Now. We missed uh, you. We talk about things and stuff, uh, mostly involving uh, zombie-type creatures, but not always. Yeah. We've done werewolves. Other kinds of zombies. We've done. We've done aliens. Right. Um, we've we've done all kinds of things. So, but we are the show revolves primarily around the Walking Dead universe, and we are back into it. We are in episode two of the second half of this season. Indeed. And if you listened to last week's episode, you know that we really liked it. Yes, we liked it last week. <laughs> hmm. I detect perhaps not as much enthusiasm for this episode. Uh, well, I'm 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 at cross purposes. Oh yeah, with this episode, and I can we can get into more why as in as in later as we talk about it. Um, I just because it's uh part of me is glad that they're doing this particular thing, and part of me is like, why are you doing this particular thing? Show <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it's often the Walking Dead way, really. So right. this is not this is not a huge surprise here for 
for you know the, the show is behaving in a, in a in a recognizable manner for you then yes <laughs> that's not necessarily a good thing um this show when it is good we have had many great things to say about it and when it is bad well season two um <laughs> Somebody's always got to beat up on season two, and I am happy to be part of that crowd. You're, you're going to be that person. <laughs> that I, I will. I will, yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is, in many ways, the backstory yes. of The Whisperers. Hey, it's the, hey, you wonder about this girl we introduced for about 30 seconds last week? Let's talk all about her this week. That's what's happening in this episode. Yeah, she gets um, she gets more character development than I think some of the cast uh, yeah. who are regularly on the show actually, which is a little a little surprising. I can tell you more about her life than I can tell you about uh, Jesus's backstory. Well, probably. Well, we heard that he had boyfriends at one point, you know. Or Aaron's backstory. Almost almost Shones. Yeah, or you know, I, I don't I don't know as much about Tara's. True. life before she came here so yeah she gets quite a bit of backstory and then and, and while that is fantastic for giving us an idea who a character is we get basically the origin story of not only her i'm sorry not only lydia's backstory but also her mother yeah i have really I have, I'm, I'm really kind of conflicted about the way both lydia's mother and father were portrayed in this episode i thought it was very interesting let's okay first okay let's just for a second let's let's be let's let's knock the b plot out really super super duper fast because it is of no consequence um the newbies (laughs) whose names i still don't really know yeah magna and everybody else yeah they um well they want to go and look for their fella the, the newbie guy who had disappeared. Magna says no, because it's probably not a great idea that since they just were accepted into the community, and the other three are like, yes, and she's like, fine. And so they go out into the woods, and they walk like 45 feet away from the settlement, and they're like, maybe this was a bad idea to go out in the middle of the night with no plan. <laughs> and so then they turn around and head back, and Tara's waiting for them. And she's like, yeah, I saw you leave. Everybody saw you leave. We're not idiots. And then um, then that's the end. Like, that's the end of their whole thing. <laughs> like, that's all. That's like, it, it uh, was... I know. So ridiculous. Like, you know, Ma- Magnus' whole thing was, hey, let's figure out a plan, and then we can do it. And maybe we can do it with the help of our new community. Wouldn't that be great? And the other three are like, no, we have to go now. We have to go now. And so they go, and they're standing in the woods and like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we had thought of a plan first? It's so stupid. I'm, I'm not going to say the entire bit was filler, but it felt a lot like the entire bit was filler. <laughs> I just, oh. it, 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 you know, it, it, it gave us some character moments, and character moments are always good. But it took you about as long to recap it as it did for us to watch. Yeah. It. B plot. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. So back to the 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 A plot. Um, Daryl is still using Henry to smoosh out information from the girl, the girl whisperer. We don't know her name is Lydia yet. Well, we do because did we find that out last week? Yeah, because last week she, yeah, she, oh, last right. week she told him. 
So they're talking and and kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And then Henry starts telling her about the kingdom, and that freaks Daryl out. So he, like, pulls him out of there. He's like, no, no kingdom talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you were listening the whole time? And Daryl's like, uh, duh. And Henry's like, that's an invasion of my privacy. And, <laughs> and Daryl is like, uh, <laughs> duh, she's a prisoner. We need to find out about her. And he and Henry's like, why can't we just give love a chance? And Dar- and Daryl just stops and looks at him and waits. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, it <laughs> gives him that look. I mean, it's just it's the naivety uh, of of Henry here is on one hand completely understandable. This is the he he's lived in. Uh, he's had a certain amount of, of sheltered. I mean, even right. even in this world, with everything that's happened to him, he's surrounded by people who he can trust and who right. are looking out for him and who are trying to protect him. And he's it's it's been really apparently six years since he's had any real. There's been any real serious threat to the kingdom. Yeah, you know, the fact that he he wants to give this you know this this obviously traumatized young woman. Um, a chance is 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 laudable and yeah. and kind and sweet and naive as hell, um, and yeah. But it's <laughs> the look on Daryl's face. Yeah, we're listening to you. I'm not the only. We've been doing it in shifts, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're a blabbermouth kid. Yeah, and I really think I mean it's it's so interesting the way that they have split up the role that would be Carl's between Judith and Henry. Mm. I mean, it it would be weird if they had, you know, Judith be the one to, like, you know, bond with this girl and learn all this stuff. But I kind of would have liked to see it. Not not like a love bond, but, you know, that would have been interesting. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But I like the way they've done it, really. This whole, you know, she's, you know, she's going to be... Like Negan's little buddy, and he's gonna be the one falling in love and kind of having this Romeo and Juliet situation. Yeah, and and I think that as much as as much as we have kind of bashed on Henry at various points in his time on the show as a character, and will not stop. Yeah, that's true, uh, because there's real problems with the character of Henry. I'm I'm. I'm not minding this as much as him as an older character than uh. as a younger character. Um, he, yeah, I think he's you know, he's still too naive, but um, I don't I don't have quite the just oh for the love of God won't someone please kill this child uh, and make it stop mindset that I, I I used to have for the character. Well, I I mean this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I just want to make sure. Have we talked about the fact that? The kid who played Henry, the kid who's playing Henry now, and the original Sophia are all yeah, siblings. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's actually really cool. Okay, all right. Uh, and and so the it's a believable it's a believable appearance of a child getting older, uh, and that actually works really well. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and it's not it's not necessarily the performances as much as it is the the character of Henry himself, um, who just really right. just kind of irritates me. In a lot of ways, and I felt like we've lo- we learn a lot from Henry that we you know are was interesting 
like when we when we learn about why Carol has let her hair grow out, mm-hmm. which is you know she kept it short, she kept it you know she was being beaten by her husband, right. And one day she realized he uses that my hair against me. He grabs me by the back of the head all the time. And so she cut it all short. And then he couldn't do that. And, you know, now that she's, now that she's with Ezekiel, she feels safe for the first time in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she's allowed her hair to grow. And I think that's really cool. Now, I, I'm really interested to know how long Melissa McBride is going to put up with this wig. <laughs> uh, well, there's a war coming, so, you know, yeah. she may chop it all off just to go back into warrior mode. So so this discussion that, that is, is about abuse and about uh, uh, people who are traumatized by abuse is really what a good chunk of this episode revolves around. Yeah. Because uh, Lydia's telling her story from the point of view as a child and apparently has not considered what this looks like from an adult's point of view or a young adult's point of view. Well, I mean, she's been, I actually, I really liked the way they did this because it shows in a really real way that, that like clicking of like, wait a minute, this never added up, and now that I actually have the time to sit here and process it and think about it, I'm seeing the, the the seams. I'm seeing the cracks that I should have maybe been able to – that if I had ever had a chance to think about this another time, I would have put together. I really thought that was cool. I, I And yeah, and I think there's some interesting stuff happening when she starts to realize how long Alexandria has been there. How long uh-huh. the kingdom, because to her, in her worldview, in the worldview her mother has created for her, um, these kind of settlements don't last that long. They are doomed mm-hmm. to fail in a very short period of time. And the idea that this place has been around, that Henry can have a second set of parents who care about him, um, you know, that there's this there's this community here is kind of she's got this sort of gobsmacked look on her face at points in the episode yeah. where it's just like this is this is not what i have been told is the way of things and to have someone very calmly and matter-of-factly looking at me and saying you know this is just the way it is yeah there's a, you can actually watch I, I give her a lot of a lot of credit in the performance for for showing some of this stuff on her face as she's as she's telling her story to to Henry and then later to Daryl when she's talking about the yeah. you know he he's talking about the abuse that he can see on her he can he can look at her and see that she's abused uh, because he was too right so much is revealed in the backstory about the nature of the relationship between her parents and their the way they treat her and what this thing did to her mother what this mm-hmm. what this the the rise of the undead did to her mother's worldview. It's it's really really interesting. I'm I, I like I said I have the, I have this sort of weird. Well, l- l- okay, so let's let's get to that. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about her flashback. So way way back when everything first started, when when uh, when the uh, when the apocalypse first began, Lydia and her mother and father were in a basement with some other survivors. And it had been about a month that they had been living there. And things, the seams, the wheels were starting to come off the place. 
Yeah. In in her memories, her father is the one who is saying, we have to get out of here. We have to, you know, you have to do these things and be this person and stuff. And her mother is trying to protect her. And the thing that really starts to see where she starts to see the cracks is he's being an abusive dick or whatever. And he like pushes her or something and then grabs some scissors and starts cutting off his beard. He had a full beard. He's like, you're the one who liked this beard and I'm not going to wear it anymore if you're not going to do whatever. And then in the next scene, in the next part of her memory, he has the beard. And her mother's head is shaved. And then uh, that's where it starts to really click for her that there's something wrong with the way she has remembered this. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting when you consider that she is realistically not much younger than Carl. Right. And when you compare the worlds that they grew up in, I mean, they grew up in the same zombie-filled world, but what this does to a child, yeah. what this world is going to, and what and the environment that these children are going through. Well, no, she's she's much younger than, she's Henry's age, so she is much younger than Carl. Well, Carl, Carl's sort of an odd case, because, of course, he grew up in a way that is only physically possible in the TV world. Um, right. Where he aged at a at a inconsistent rate to that of other humans, um, because yes. because the TV show took place in a certain window of time, and he's a real boy who grew up into a young man, uh, and um, you know, so this is this is weird. But but you look at the way these these two children were shaped by this world, and the the kind of young man that Carl grew into, and what Lydia has grown into. Right. Well, and then you could also used uh Henry as another example because Henry is is someone like you said who's never had to worry about about food where his next meal was coming from he grew up a completely differently than both of them they all have mm-hmm. a completely different world experience it's kind of amazing and and i think it, a, a bright spot in in the walking dead's litany of not bright spots at all uh, is that the children actually seem to be developing into functioning adults mm-hmm. in, in a way that actually is kind of positive. And, and I'm not sure that, that the the creators of the show really intended to be this way based on their track record with you know, <laughs> des- destroying hope. But at the same time, the children actually, the kids are all right. I mean, yeah. the kids are turning out, I mean, they're, yes, Lydia is, Lydia's, Life has been pretty horrific up until now, but you can just look at her being surrounded by these people who actually are expressing concern for her mm-hmm. and and sympathizing with, with aspects of her life that she hasn't allowed herself to think about, but that right. they, they can see plain as day. It was really interesting watching the dynamic between her mother and father. Yeah, and I thought it was very interesting also... Um, cause she's, cause Daryl brings her some medicine, some, some, some antibiotics. Cause he's like, you're, you keep pulling on your ear. It's pretty obvious that you need some medicine. Mm-hmm. And at first she like, he tries to give her medicine and she tries to attack her. And, but then at the end, you know, as, as she starts to realize, wait a minute, this is, this is something that I was never taught could exist. And this is something that I could have if I wanted it. She's like, 
Do you still have that medicine? Because my ear really hurts. In fact, pretty much everything hurts. <laughs> I would like to, uh, you know, probably take care of that. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. She's so obviously, in, okay, in, in some respects, she reminds me of Carol at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. She's so obviously beat down. She's so obviously convinced that whatever happens to her, she deserves. Mm-hmm. That this sort of sudden shock of being around, again, being around people who their first reaction is to go, are you okay? Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, not their first reaction. Their first reaction is, how many of them are you? <laughs> yeah, you tell me. You tell me her, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> but once but once Daryl, I mean, it, it, and especially with Daryl, because he is, we, he's such a strong character that it's so, it's very, very easy to forget that very early on when we're introduced to the character, he is so clearly an abused child who has grown yeah. into a damaged man. And Carol, you know, his Carol's friendship and, and the love of his friends have made him into this very, you know, sturdy, strong character uh, overall. He still has his cracks where, where, the, where the child, right. the broken child peeks through. But the fact that here you have this character who is more likely to, you know, to, to threaten you right off the bat is looking at this girl and going... I see. I see what's happened to you. Yeah. I I know this world. Right. I know. I know what you. When I bring this. When I bring this switch in, and I saw the way you looked at it, I know you are somebody who knows what this is and what it's meant for. Yeah. And and the fact that you know you you saw it and you you're expecting what I'm implying is coming next. Mm-hmm. You're just like okay. This is this is just the way it is. Right. Yeah, that whole bit with the whole—I mean, just—and that we again that dynamic between her parents, where the tug of war with her memory mm-hmm. between a father who's trying to protect her and a mother who's trying to protect her, and the two versions that don't line up. Right. And and I just want to say that Samantha Morton, who plays Alpha, who plays the mother, uh, once again, uh, The Walking Dead casts a British actor. To play an American, and they go for somebody who's really, really fantastic. For those of you who don't recognize Samantha Morton, uh, she's done a ton of stuff. Um, she's been uh, in Minority Report, which was uh, one of her big American films, one of the first things that really kind of drew her attention to her, uh, to American audiences. She's been in, oh goodness, uh, The Messenger, John Carter, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. She's done a lot of television. Uh, just a fantastic actress, and she's only forty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she seems to be playing a lot older here, and I think that's a lot. Of that's body language, right? She's a fantastic actress. I'm I'm really excited to see her here, and she's just creepy as hell to me. Oh yeah! Once we see her with her head shaved, yeah, the first time I'm when she's like, when she's cut uh, it off, and that was that. I love the way I I get I you know I can't put enough praise on the way that they did this because. The scene right before it, the flashback right before it is the husband saying, dad saying, you're the one who liked this beard. I only kept it for you, and so I'm going to cut it off. And him starting to cut. And the next flashback in is her sitting there rubbing her shaved head. And it makes you go, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, what? And then, because you're 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 seeing the cracks just at the same time, she's seeing the cracks, and I thought that was just really really smart on their part. Yeah, what's what's fascinating to me is how much the manipulation 
that Alpha does to her daughter to shape her memories. I mean, you just hear how much repetition had to go into your father was like this and the world is mm-hmm. like this and and how much she's just shaped this kid into just a broken thing. And, and considering that the world that they live in, I mean, you know, it, it's... The show does not always do well with showing the horror of a world where you're surrounded by the yeah. dead all the time, where there's just, they are a constant threat. The, the walking deads, you know, the, one of the big walking dead themes is humans are the real monsters, right. which is, you know, a, a, an established science fiction and apocalyptic fiction trope. But, but these are characters, alpha and, and the whispers are characters that have basically gone. No, it's all horror. <laughs> the only thing you can do is embrace the horror. Right. You have to become one of, you have to you know, become the yes, dead. Humans are the humans are also monsters, but also what are monsters? The monsters are monsters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think uh, I almost, I, so, so here's, here's my, here's my concern with what I want versus what, um, the show does well. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love to have like just a solid episode of Nightmare Fuel, where you know Lydia and her mother just basically are constantly threatened by the dead, and you see them, you see them disintegrate to this point where her mother is going, "Okay, we're going to put on corpse skin." Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of want that because I think that would be really creepy. And really disturbing and could be, you know, when the, just like the, the graveyard scene, you know, uh, at, the, at the tail end of the first half of the season, when the show just dives into horror, uh-huh. it's really effective. And so I kind of want that. But at the same time, sometimes when the show does this, there's, there's so much backstory to the last six years we haven't got yet. Yeah. That I'm afraid that if we give a whole episode or, or more than an episode to, to this backstory, uh, and give me that 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 creepiness and that horror and that sense of dread and doom, um, then they're going to rush something else. And I'm like, I really want to see you know, explain the scars and the back to me, please. You know, yeah. Give give me a, give me a, uh, an answer to Michonne's current worldview that isn't your answer from last week. Uh, <laughs> right, or a, a more complicated, like like let's give her a minute to do a PowerPoint presentation. On what, you know, what she really means by that. What she meant by that. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's the, the episode essentially ends with Lydia just going, you people are being nice to me and I don't know how to deal with this. It's really kind of amazing, but I don't know how to deal yeah. with this. And then, uh, and then suddenly, um, whispers. Right. And that's actually a really creepy scene where they all just start walking yeah. up to the... Well, and at the same time, you have to remember, or at the same time, our idiot newbies are coming back. Yeah. And so they kind of get separated. Separated. So some of them are outside, and some of them, the deaf woman gets stuck in the cornfield, and... Yeah, see this this could be this could be some good some good horror stuff right there if they if they play it right. But then of course Samantha Morton shows up without her mask. Uh, Alpha walks up and she goes, "I've come from my yeah. daughter." And you could tell I love that she was how hoarse she was. That kind of like this is the first time I have I have spoken in a in a loud voice in in years. I'm very curious to see what they go with this because some of the the strongest relationships in this show, of course, have been between parents and children, and and some of the 
some of the how far people have gone for their children or their parents. Right. Where Carol went after losing her daughters. Uh, how far you know Rick would push things for you know to to do whatever he was trying to do for Carl at this season or that season. Um, you know, and, and like you brought up last week, what may be why Michonne's acting the way she is, because it could be because of what she's doing for her and Rick's child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the dynamic there about how far, you know, how, how far is too far to go right? for the sake of, of, of your, of your family, whether it's a healthy family or not. Mm -hmm. Um, and cause I think, I think clearly we're establishing here that Alpha and Lydia are <laughs> no, not no, the no. This is an example of the bad kind. Right. So now we've, we've lauded a lot of praise. Now I need to back up and talk about the, what I found irritating about this episode. Sure. We've talked a lot about how the walking dead is going to survive with the original core cast peeling off. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have talked about how what they need to do is bring in strong characters to take their place. And they need to do it on either the Degrassi model or the ER model. Which is, which the Degrassi model was the main characters of the show were always sophomores and juniors. Mm, sure, right, yeah. So it was about kids in their sophomore year of high school and their junior year of high school. And then the kids who were seniors okay. were like secondary, like they were the, they were the main characters last season. So they're kind of still there, but they're getting ready to move on. And so the stories aren't always really about them anymore. And the kids who were freshmen were just being introduced. So, like, here come the new guys. Every and every year, introduced. Here's the new characters are coming in. The story is focusing strongly on these kids who are the main who've been here for already two years, and these kids who have been here for four years are getting ready to leave. And so, it had a really good model, and it was able to go run through stories very effectively, and have fresh stories, and even recycle storylines, and it'd be okay because you had different characters going through essentially the same thing and reacting differently. Mm -hmm. The other model that I suggested was the ER model, which is completely stripped down the idea of a core cast complete ensemble where each character like like at one at one time this character has a two or three episode arc but then they go back kind of down and below under like into the main ensemble again and then this other character's having a main arc and so it's a constant roiling and so then when a character dies or or moves or quits or whatever you still have a really strong ensemble to bring in someone new, and so they always, and it was a teaching hospital, so they always had kind of fresh faces floating around in the background, and if you wanted to, you could focus on a nurse or something for a little while, just to give a little bit of, like, a complete ensemble feel. Sure. So, this year, it seems like The Walking Dead has decided... We're gonna try and do that, but instead of going... 
here's some here's some new characters. We brought in the newbies. They're going to hang out kind of in the background, and they'll join a couple of missions, and they'll do a couple of things, and we'll get to know them. It's like, here are the newbies. They're the new stars. Let's have fun. Have fun with them. You know, <laughs> Denai Guerrero has a movie to shoot. <laughs> you know? Well, and then they do something like like this episode where basically they're in it for like five minutes and they behave right. They behave basically like people who have never done this before, right? I mean, these these are people who have survived the last six, seven, eight years and right. yeah, survived it. I mean, they've they've they they haven't you know they've made it through this. They're not morons. They're not. You know, they've lived through everything that our other characters have lived through, uh, more or less. I mean, different experiences, obviously. Yes. But they survived. So why are they all suddenly acting like they don't know how to function in this world? In what possible world was anybody who has gone through all this going to wander out in the dark without a plan? Exactly. Especially considering that we are so... I, we're, we're led... When the newbies show up, we're led to believe that they've been traveling this whole time together. So you, they've been traveling for essentially mm-hmm. eight years, six, eight years together on, you know, during the apocalypse or, you know, with either a bigger group or, you know, some, some level of this, this same five or six people have been together traveling for a really long time. And so you would think that they would know, hey, no, you don't go out in the middle of the night without a plan. They're, they so seem to surprise themselves with their lack of plan. Yeah, which I'm, I'm just like, okay, this. I am not. I am not encouraged by the future survival of this group if these are going to be the folks who are going to be, you know, our lead characters because they don't seem to have a very long life expectancy. Right. Well, I mean, uh, but, based on current behavior. Yeah. Well, and you've got to know that at least one or two of them. Is going to be sacrificed to you know uh, the se- the season finale when that comes. Oh sure, because you know Norman Reed's just signed a new contract. <laughs> it really confused me to watch this this very brief bit with them and go, okay, not only why is this here, what's the purpose of this? Um, aside from, you know, I guess the purpose is for them to get caught yeah. by Terra going, you guys. Oh, you. But in terms of, in terms of showing them in a good light, it doesn't, it's not exactly a, a, a fantastic, you know, display of their uh, common sense. Especially, like, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, like, the scene has to match, like, you you enter a scene with one emotion, you have to leave a scene with another emotion. But it doesn't, you know, those scenes can't just happen anywhere. Like, if your whole movie takes place in the desert, you can't have a scene in the middle on a tugboat. And I was watching that scene where they're out in the woods, and she kind of, like, the, the younger sister kind of breaks down and starts crying. It's like, he would have never left ass out overnight. That scene did not have to take place in the woods. That scene could have taken place just as easily inside, inside the compound. Yeah, that's true. And so it makes it have no point. Like the whole their argument about whether or not to do this could have been a valid argument and could have taken place inside the compound. No, and and it honestly would have played a lot better there. It would have it would have made a much more 
I think a much more dramatic scene and much more consistent scene if they never left. Mm-hmm. If they were having this whole conflict and discussion and argument about to go or to stay, and they didn't go. Right. Because um, that actually wouldn't have made them look a little bit stupid. Right. Uh, you guys are all too dumb to live. What are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, it reminded me a little bit of, do you remember um, Dwight's wife's sister, whose name was like Tina or something? Yeah. And she was diabetic, and, like, there was this whole thing about, like, her medicine, she needs her medicine, and then she got eaten by a walker, and it was like, well, kind of a good thing she got eaten by a walker, because, you know, like, she was just gonna, like, die of of diabetes, like, very, very soon. Yeah, it's just, it's such a, it, uh, when this show, I don't know, sometimes this show is just odd, it's just odd for the choices that they're making. Especially considering how much the whole, the whole just sort of look at at an abused person was really interesting, and then every time they cut away to the new folks, I was just like, okay, I don't, I kind of, kind of don't care about what you guys are doing. <laughs> right. Let's get this over. I I confess I have not warmed up to these guys particularly. Um, there's I, I don't I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the characters. Yeah. But I haven't been really given a reason to care. Yep. Yeah, I've been blown away with with love for them yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I hopefully they will grow on us because they are introducing new characters to the show. Is is how shows like this survive, uh, no matter how long they run. So, um, yeah, it, it's mm, I'm not sure what they're doing with them. But yeah, the story a storyline very interesting. I'm very curious to see this what they do with this more because it is is it is a much more horror oriented storyline. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the whispers are much more of a horror monster villain than, you know, the governor or Negan or or even the fine young cannibals. Right. I find myself in the position especially after last week and most of this week's episode, I find myself kind of excited about the rest of the season, which is a weird place to be. Right. For the show. I agree. So, yeah. That's the entire thing, and most of it was good. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. That's right. If you disagree with us, we would love to hear from you. If you love the new folks, or think that uh, Lydia's backstory is is what you weren't terribly impressed by it, I mean, you're wrong, but... um, It's convoluted and stupid. (laughs) You're stupid, and it was stupid, stupid. So we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can leave us a comment. You can uh, send us a message. You can leave us a comment on Facebook or on Twitter where we do have social media presence. And when we are good at posting things, we have some nice interactions. And when we're not good at posting things, we're kind of bad at it. But yes. we try to do better. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and podcast.com, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And we would love to hear from you there. If you would love to share the show, let people know about it. If you enjoy what we've done here or think it's an interesting discussion to have, let, let people know about the show. We'd love to have an even bigger audience. So we'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse now, and we'll see where they go with this. Um, I, The way the show tends to structure itself, they're probably not going to lead off with where we left off. We're probably not going to start <laughs> off with alpha at the gates but uh, who knows we'll see if they, they break the break the trend the show usually follows but as always dustin thank you very much thank you tim and thank you guys for listening we'll be back next week with more zompocalypse now yay
Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.